All right, so uh, if you guys have been with us the last couple weeks, we've been doing this series called Living Stones. Everybody say, Living Stones. So as uh, an elder team, our elders of our church, amazing men of God, they, they seek the Lord about how to lead this church, direct this church. And in, in seeking God for 2019, they had a scripture come to mind that had this word living stones in it. It's from 1 Peter chapter 2, and it's verse 4 and 5. I'm going to read it for us. It should be on the screen behind me as well. It says, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So living stones. So we believe that in 2019, the Lord wants us to know that we are his living stones. Let me break that phrase down just a little bit. Think about a stone. A stone is, is solid. A stone is strong. A stone is hard to move. Uh, a stone is also able to be kind of chiseled away and chipped at. So relay that to our life. We want to be that way. We want to be solid in the Lord. We want to be strong in the Lord. We want to be immovable. We want to be hard to be shaken. And we also want the Lord to, we want to be open to the Lord chiseling away things that don't belong. But we're not just dead stones. We are living stones, which means we have life in us. Does anybody here want to be full of abundant life in Jesus? Anybody here? We are alive. The reason that we are alive is because we're connected to Jesus, who is our chief cornerstone. So living stones is the phrase. Last week, Tyler Hardy, our lead pastor, talked about that little phrase in there. If you could put that uh, verse back up there again. It says, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. He talked about the, how God's desire is each of us as individual living stones are supposed to be brought together so that we can be built up as a spiritual house. And the way it doesn't work is to try to be a house all by yourself as just one stone. We actually need each other. It's called community. It's called the body of Christ. It's called the church. And when we operate together, we are built up as a strong spiritual house. We need one another. We need community. A little plug here for life groups. If you're not yet plugged in to life group, this is how we become a spiritual house. This is the practical way that we as Antioch Community Church become a spiritual house. You get connected to the body and doing that through life group. Now this week, we're going to go to that next phrase after spiritual house, and that phrase is holy priesthood. Everyone's favorite phrase. Uh-huh. Everybody say holy priesthood. Awesome. All right, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to believe that the Lord's going to speak to us tonight and give us some insight about this phrase, holy priesthood, and I hope you guys are going to leave here realizing, oh, cool, it's not just a spiritual phrase, but it actually has to do with me. Okay, so you guys pray with me. Let's believe God's going to speak to us tonight. Lord, we thank you that you're here in this place. We just take a few seconds just to acknowledge you're here. And Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that clearly in scripture, you've not only called us living stones, but you've called us a holy priesthood. Lord, tonight I pray that you would give us insight to what on earth this means and what it has to do with our life. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd speak to all of us. I pray that this would click and make sense, Lord. And we thank you that your word has power. Your word is living and active. And Lord, we believe that you want to do something in our hearts tonight. Why don't you just take a second, and I want you guys to pray. Just take 10 seconds and just ask the Lord to speak to you something fresh tonight.
Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. All right, I'm going to break down that phrase, holy priesthood, in just a second here. But real quick, let me ask you all a question. Have you guys ever been in a situation where you feel like you just totally missed the whole point? Maybe in class this past week, your professor's talking. There's one time when calculus, I don't know, two or three years, I don't know what it was. First day, he's talking about all sorts of things. I'm like, what are you saying? Different language. So, dropped it. <laughs> Duh. That's the only thing you're supposed to do. It doesn't make sense. Uh, anyways. Okay, maybe it's in class. Maybe you're talking with a friend. Maybe just a situation in life. You just feel like you missed the whole point. Uh, one of the ways more commonly that this comes about for my life is in some conversations I have with my lovely wife, Beth, here sitting in the front row. Uh, here's the scenario. She begins to talk and just pour out her heart to me and begin to share these things she's thinking about and processing and even wrestling with. And as a loving servant heart of a husband, I, I want to fix her problems. So I begin to say things like, oh, oh Beth, well, what about this? What, what about that? What do you think about this? Actually, that's, ah, that's not a good way to think, babe. Uh, you, you, how, about, how about this way? And when I get to the part where I start to correct her and tell her that she's not thinking right, um, uh, I realize that, uh, that, that maybe I've missed the whole point because her face just begins, her facial expression begins to change and she just kind of stares at me like this. <laughs> it's at that point that I realize, oh no, oh no. Yet again, I've missed the whole point of this conversation, which was not to fix anything. The whole point, ladies, was to what? Hey, gentlemen, gentlemen, write the word listen in all caps in your journal on your phone, all right? The point was to listen. And at the end of her sharing, to say something like, babe, thank you for sharing your heart with me. I'm so proud of you for what you're processing. I love you. I'm so sorry for the hard things in life. And I pray for you, dear. And give her a hug, and then usually it works so much better when I do it that way, all right? Okay, well, here's what I tell you the story. Believe it or not, in Christianity, sometimes we miss the whole point. And I'm not just talking about people out there looking inside the church and wondering what the whole point of them, you know, singing loud and doing that thing and going to services and stuff. Even inside this room, it is easier than we think to miss the whole point of our faith. The point of our faith is not to attend services. It's not to wear the right Christian t-shirt. It's not even to do right things. It's not to go to life group, to discipleship. It, it, that's act, those, all those things I just listed are great things, especially shirts. <laughs> but they're not the whole point. They're not the main point. And tonight, if you've ever wondered what on earth is the main point, the whole point of this faith that I have, I'm going to share that with you guys tonight, okay? So listen up. Don't zone out. I'm going to share with you the main point of Christianity. Does anybody here think they know? They, like you're pretty confident. It's not prideful to say yes, that you think you know the whole point of Christianity. All right, John. Hey, let's go, bro. Okay. All right. Okay. So if you think you know, just make sure you listen. Make sure you're right. Okay. And believe it or not, our answer is actually found in everyone's favorite phrase, holy priesthood. 
Get ready. <laughs> Everybody again say holy priesthood. Okay, I'm going to explain to you why I believe this is the whole point of Christianity in just a second, but let me give you a little bit of context to this phrase, holy priesthood, okay? When you hear the word priest, most commonly you're probably thinking about, okay, what we commonly use it as, maybe if you grew up Catholic, they throw the word priest out there a lot. That's not what this verse is talking about. It's actually referencing something in the Old Testament. Do I have any Old Testament fans in the house? Awesome. Okay, a little, little, little plug for the Old Testament. It's uh, sometimes easier to avoid, but uh, if you read it, it will give you a lot of insight into the New Testament. Okay, a lot of things in the New Testament are referencing things of the Old, and it can really help your understanding. So even though it's, sometimes it's hard to, to, you know, check through some of those uh, books in the Old Testament, I want to highly encourage you to do that. But what it's referencing is the priesthood that the Lord established in the Old Testament for, I'm not going to go all into it, but let me give you a couple chapters of the Old Testament that you can dive into if you want to figure out where this idea of priest came from. Okay, you can write this down. Exodus 27 through 30. So Exodus chapter 27 through chapter 30. Also, everyone's favorite book, Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 6. And then also Leviticus chapter 9 and 10. Okay? But let me give you the very, very short summary. Okay? Priests in the Old Testament... They handled all the sacrifices. They kept things going in the tabernacle of the Lord for one specific purpose. And that was to minister to and to worship the Lord. Okay? All their duties that they did, and guys, they did some crazy things, y'all. They, like, did the sacrifices that they had to, like, kill the animals, but and then they also had to wear these crazy robes and these hats. <laughs> They're just kind of funny to picture. They also, when they killed these animals... They took some of the blood, and they like, would have to put it on their forehead and their ears and stuff. Isn't that weird? <laughs> okay, anybody thankful that that's not uh, the way that we worship God these days? Anybody thankful? All right, cool. We did not have any blood out there to put on your ears and stuff. All right, so thankful for that. Now, what they had to do all that for was so that they could be presented before the Lord so they could have direct access into his presence, Okay. Now, in just a minute, I'm going to explain what it's like in the New Testament, but I want you to understand here, they did all these sacrifices, all these things, so that they could have access into what? Into the presence of the Lord, to worship and minister to Him. Now, a little explanation of the, how the tabernacle was set up is also going to help you. So the tabernacle of the Lord was surrounded by what's called an outer court. In that outer court, it had the altar where the sacrifices were made. But then the tabernacle itself had two parts. It had the holy place. Everybody say, holy place where only priests were allowed. But also, they had the Holy of Holies, where only the high priest could go, and only once a year. It was covered by this veil, which is just a big, long curtain. Okay? Once a year, the high priest had access to go past that veil into the very presence of Almighty God. All right? Now, now in talking about that veil, does anybody know something very significant that happened in regards to a veil, when Jesus Christ died on a cross. Mm -hmm. I'm getting somewhere, y'all. Here we go, Matthew 27, 50 and 51. This is just as Jesus is dying. It says, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and then he yielded up his spirit. Then, this is apparently one of the first things that happened, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked, the rocks were split, 
and a bunch of other crazy things happen. You can read it later. When Jesus Christ, our ultimate sacrifice, died on the cross, breathed his last, last breath, the very first thing that happened was the veil was torn. What was that veil covering? The very presence of Almighty God. Like, like not just like his, you know, omnipresence, where, yeah, God's always with us, but no, like the manifest, glorious presence of God that when you got in there, it, it was hard not to tremble. That veil was torn when Jesus died on the cross. Why does that matter to us? What on earth does this have to do with us as a holy priesthood? If you believe in Jesus, if you believe that he's the sacrifice for your sins, do you know what great privilege you have? Direct access to the presence of God. Not just once a year because you're a special Mr. High Priest man, <laughs> but any second of any day. That's amazing. Think about that. All the sacrifices they had to do, all the rituals they had to do, all the weird things they had to wear, all the things that they put on their ears, and only once a year did this high priest get to do it. But when, that, when Jesus died on the cross, that veil was torn, what it was was believers. If you believe in him, you have access to the presence of God any second of any day. It's amazing. <laughs> I really want you to know this is amazing because here's the deal, y'all. This is the whole point of Christianity is that you and me, we get to interact with God. Yes! <laughs> Let it sink in. Oh, this is it. It is not just going to services. It is not just doing the right thing. It's not just your list of things you don't do anymore. That's not the point. The point is that you were saved, if you believe in Jesus, not into a religion, but into a relationship with a living God you can talk to any second of any day, and he can actually talk to you also. That's good news. And this is the whole point of Christianity, is that you, because the Lord, the, the word of God calls us a holy priesthood, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we get to access. The veil's torn, we get to access him. This is the whole point. It's not just once a week at a service. It is every single day. And guys, that is great news. Look at your neighbor and say, that's great news. My heart is that we don't miss this main point, y'all. So here's what I'm going to do the rest of our time here. I'm going to break down those two words, holy and priesthood. All right? Everybody say holy. holy. So the phrase holy priesthood, it's, like, it's actually an identity phrase. In the word of God, it's saying that you are a holy priesthood. So let's think about the word holy. Did you know you are holy? I'm going to ask again. Not very many of you are naughty. Did you know you are holy? You, if you are a believer in Jesus, you are made holy. Not because of what you have done, but because of what Jesus did for you. You are holy. And you're holy right now if you believe in Jesus. No matter what you've done lately, no matter what you did over Christmas break that you know is wrong, whatever you did last week that you know is wrong, even if you did something that you know is wrong right before you came, if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are holy right now. The Bible also talks about us being holy or living holy or acting holy. He says we are holy, but he also says be holy. 
You are holy, but be holy. You are holy. Act holy. Think holy. Live holy. What this brings up, you see it throughout Scripture, both of these things coming up. What this brings up is this really deep theological topic that I'm actually about to dive into for a second, if you could bear with me, on what, what is commonly called by theologians and people much smarter than me, positional holiness versus personal holiness. Okay? Everybody say positional. This is your position before the Lord based on your faith. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you, you have a right standing with God through the finished work of what Jesus did on the cross. You are holy. You, have, you are righteous. You are made clean. You are blameless before him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 is a great verse that emphasizes our holiness and our righteousness before the Lord. It says, He, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that good news? Because what Jesus did, we have become the righteousness of God. We are righteous, we are holy, we are blameless, not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done. But the Bible also talks about us being holy, living holy, acting holy. And that is referencing your personal or progressive holiness. You are being made holy. Another big Bible word for that is you're being sanctified. Everybody say sanctified. Sanctified. Okay? Which means you're growing in living out your identity as holy. You're growing in, in... in rejecting and overcoming sin. The way you grow in holiness is you say yes to Jesus every day and you say no to sin and temptation. Now, the only way that this works right for a believer is if you first know your positional holiness. This is the only way this works. Don't miss this. If you are trying to live holy so so that maybe you will one day become holy, it doesn't work very well. Because what you start doing is operating in your own strength. If I just try hard enough, maybe one day I'll be holy. I'll be in the holy club. No one wants to be in the holy club. That's weird, y'all. But if you you just start operating in your own strength and you start gritting your teeth, I'm going to try to overcome this sin because I want to be holy. It doesn't work that way. Even if it did work, and you tried real hard and then became holy, you would give yourself the credit, and that's called (laughs) self-righteousness. Doesn't work. But if you first know, I am holy, Lord, because you died on a cross for me and took away all my sins and you washed me clean with your blood, I am holy and I am righteous. That is who I am. When you think about that and dwell on that first, when you are tempted by unholiness, when you are tempted by sin, it helps you see that sin a little more clearly. You begin to see it not as something you're trying to, oh, I'm going to try to overcome. It's like, oh, that's not me anymore. I'm holy. I don't have time for that. I'm holy. I'm righteous. That's not holiness. That's not righteousness. So that must not be for me. There's freedom when we know who God says we are. We are holy. Amen? Now, a, a great scripture to help summarize this whole point is found in Hebrews chapter 10. Track with me because this is really helpful if you really stick into it. Hebrews 10, 14, it's referring to the, the offering of Jesus. It says, by one offering, Jesus has perfected forever or made holy and righteous forever those who are being sanctified. 
Think about that for a second. Read it one more time. For by one offering, the offering of Jesus, he has perfected forever those who are still being sanctified. He's put you in the right position. You're holy, but you're also being continually sanctified by him. Hopefully this is making sense for you guys. Give me a thumbs up if it makes sense to you a little bit. Sweet. It's good news, y'all. All right. Rest of our time, I'm going to talk about priesthood, all right? So, like I told you already, this is the whole point of Christianity. Just like the Old Testament priests, they had access to the presence of God. We are called now in the New Testament a holy priesthood. We're made holy by Jesus. But the activity of the priest, primary, primary activity was to come before the presence of the Lord, to engage with him, to fellowship with him as a real living God, not as an idea, not as a philosophy, but as a living God who we can hear and we can listen to and he can talk to us and we can talk to him. Now, I'm going to give you guys some things that I think will help you kind of walk out in your identity as the holy priesthood by giving you a couple practical mindsets or things here. I'm going to give you a little alliteration to help it stick a little bit, all right? I'm going to give you the three Ps of your priesthood. I know that's why you came here tonight, for your three Ps, all right? I'm going to give you three Ps of your priesthood, all right? Somebody please make that into a rap later, the three Ps of your priesthood. Come on. That could, that could rhyme. I tried earlier. It didn't work out. Okay, uh, there's so many different words that start with the letter P, such as priesthood, that I could have used here, but I landed with three, okay? So this is, this is to help you know how do you approach the Lord, since you're a priest, and your primary role, the whole point is for you to be able to come before him any second of any day. How do you, how do you approach him? You approach him as knowing it is a privilege you approach him with the right posture, and you approach him as the top priority. We'll talk about privilege, posture, and priority, all right? Privilege. Everybody say privilege. privilege. Guys, don't forget that this is a privilege that we get to come into the presence of God. It used to be one person once a year. That was the high priest. Now, we can access him every single day. We should be so thankful that we get to interact with the living God. And you know, when you realize it's a privilege... What it does is it keeps, it keeps you going. It keeps you going. It keeps you consistent in connecting with God when you realize, wow, I, should, I, don't des- I, I, I didn't deserve or earn this. This is a privilege that I get to come before him. When you realize it's a privilege, you'll be motivated to keep going. Even when you're tired, even when things are going wrong around you, you realize what a privilege it is that I get to come before the presence of the Lord. With the right posture. I'm talking about your posture. Now, now, I'm not primarily talking about your like, physical posture, though there's a great biblical uh, case for you know, uh, some sort of physical postures. You might see people, especially here at Antioch, raising their hands during worship. You might see people kneeling. You might see other forms of uh, postures before the Lord, whether it's dancing or jumping or whatever. Okay? You actually see all of the above here, usually by the same person. <laughs> uh, and it's awesome. And it's usually me. All right? Right there. <laughs> Dancing, and then knees, and then hands, crying, laughing. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm stable. Don't worry. I'm stable. <laughs> I just, like, the Lord moves me sometimes, all right? I promise. I'm good. <clears throat> your posture. I'm actually not talking about physical. I'm talking about, like, the posture of your heart, okay? i got a good friend that calls it heart posture, okay? J.B. So a couple, a couple of thoughts about how do you, how do you posture your heart. Th- first one, thankfulness. Everybody say thankfulness. The good posture of your heart to be really thankful that you get to talk to God and be with Him. Uh, another one is humility. Hey, you want to you posture your heart with you? Humility as you come before the Lord. 
You don't deserve to be with him. He's big and mighty in God, and you are not big, mighty God. <laughs> Humility. And another one I want to hone in on is, is a posture of, of hunger. 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 We, must, we need to have a heart posture of hunger when we come before the Lord. Here's what I mean by that. Is actually believing that there's so much more of God than you've ever experienced. No matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how long you've been coming to this church, no matter how long you've been doing this thing, that thing, no matter if you're a leader or not, or you're, or you're a pastor, I, I, it doesn't matter how long you've been serving the Lord, we want to have a posture of hunger in our hearts because there's so much more of him. And there's so much every single day we can feast on, feast on in his presence and eat up. Let me ask you guys this question. How many days a week do you eat food? Around seven? <laughs> okay, me too. <laughs> Let's translate that for a second to spirit, spiritually. If you want to feel like you're thriving and healthy and, and vibrant and got life in you, how many days a week do you think that you need to eat spiritually? Every day. Every day. Guys, here's a, here's a mindset that has creeped into the church. I have a couple ideas of why, but here is a mindset, especially here in America, of what's creeping into the church. I come to church to be fed. My pastor is the one that feeds me. Yep, yep, he feeds me. And if that's not happening, another common phrase that people like to say is, I need to go to a different church. I'm not being fed there. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> but think about that. What? <laughs> Whose responsibility is it to eat? You. If I was making your meals every day, that would be weird. If someone else was making all of your meals and you are 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 25, 31. <laughs> all right, babe, I'm with you. Okay? It would be weird if someone's making my, my, always making my meals for me. Okay? Again, let's translate that to spiritually. Guys, every single day, you can eat and feast on so much. One, just by opening this anywhere, <laughs> just anywhere. If you're hungry, literally, you literally just flip the Bible and just read something. If you're hungry, you will eat. You'll be fed. You'll be filled. You'll feast on something if you're hungry. And I, I want us to be a college ministry that has a posture of hunger in our hearts. That Oh, no, 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 no. I don't care how, how long I've been following God. I don't, I, I, it doesn't matter what the preacher said or didn't say. What, what I don't want is you guys come in here to feed. What I want you to come here to do is tell me what you ate this week. What did you learn? What revelation did God give you when you were eating, when you were taking advantage of the privilege it is to come before the presence of the Lord and, and eat? Tell me what you ate, not what you want to eat, hopefully, if I say it right. Woo! Stepping on some toes. Love it. Last but not least, third P, what did I say? Priority. There we go. As uh, we approach him with the, as the top, as the top priority. In the Old Testament, with the priests, it actually wasn't an option. 
It wasn't like, a, oh, wake up, maybe I'll do my, my duties today. No, no, no. It, their, their priestly duties were not missed. There were no excuses. It was daily. In fact, it was more than once a day. It was morning and evening. They had the light and some, uh, some lamps, and it was first in their priority list, and nothing got in its way. Well, actually, if you look at the story of the nation of Israel, God's chosen people in the Old Testament, when they ignored this as their top priority of ministering to the Lord, the whole nation fell apart. You can trace it back to, yes, a king sinned or did something, but it was they, they stopped putting seeking God as their top priority, and the whole nation fell apart. The same is true for our life. When we don't pursue the Lord, come before him, minister to him every day, when that is not a top priority in our life, things get out of whack in our life. We just feel off. My encouragement to you, even if you felt off lately, then, oh my goodness, there's a fresh start. There is grace today for you to come right back and to put the Lord as your top priority, seeking him as your top priority. For us as a college ministry, honestly, guys, this is like the biggest thing that I want for all, all of you, is that your top priority as a holy priesthood is that every day you would not miss your privilege to come before the Lord and just, just be with him. I mean, if there's literally one thing you get from being a part of this college ministry for a couple weeks, months, semesters, years, is I want you guys to know your privilege and to take advantage of it every day to come before the Lord and, and feast on him and to feast on the things. That's it. If you take that seriously as a top priority, I literally believe you can thrive in any season of your life. When you move away from this community to a different city, and Fayetteville's a good one, when you move to Houston or Dallas or Austin or anywhere else, and you're away from all these people that love God and are encouraging you, all that's good. If you actually put this as your top priority, I actually believe you can thrive, no matter what your surroundings are. If you do not have this as a top priority, I think you might struggle. So learn it now. Learn now how to seek the Lord as your top priority. If you don't know how to do that personally, all you know is to, how to do is to come to a church setting or a corporate event like a life group or this or that or the other, then I want you to find someone that does consistently, daily, come before the Lord and spends time reading the Bible and worshiping and praying. Find someone and they would love to teach you. I personally would love to teach you. Uh, Tuesday morning, I will be here. You can come bright and early and say, I would like to learn how to and do my priestly duties. <laughs> I would like to learn how to minister to the Lord. I would like to learn this. So come. Your life group leaders would love to teach you how to do that. All right. Here's how we're going to wrap up with a question of what are you guys going to do with this message? We don't give messages to wow you or impress you. Uh, we give messages so that you can do something with it. All right? That sound good? Because I love you. I want you to do something with this thing. All right? So, um, in short, every single day, I would highly encourage you guys in the morning, right before class, right before work, first thing. Usually I get coffee first, and then I go to the bathroom. And, but, but then, so it's like the third thing I guess I do <laughs> in my kitchen with coffee, and I, I, I get with God. Usually it's, it literally looks like this. Beth has seen me several times. I get a coffee mug, and I'm saying, oh, Lord, I'm tired. <laughs> Thank you for today, Lord. <laughs> My throat hurts. But thank you for today, Lord. Oh, I'm tired. <laughs> After about five minutes of my warm-up prayers and telling God how tired I am, <laughs> then I began to do other things like read the Bible and write down things I'm learning, and I thank the Lord for specific things. I pray for specific people, okay? 
Uh, that's kind of what it looks like, but being honest, that's literally every morning. I'm tired, Lord. I have children. But here, here's a great way to summarize this, this, this whole message of being a holy priesthood and, and us coming before him and not missing this, this opportunity. It's in, it's in Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 22. It'll be on the screen behind me. Ben, you guys can go ahead and come on up as I read this. Hebrews 10, 19 to 22. It says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest, or the holy of holies, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, here's what we do. Verse 22, let us draw near. Everybody say, draw near. With a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. A lot of things in that passage to unpack, but you, hopefully you'll see a couple things we've talked about. The veil, about the blood of Jesus, about the holiest or the holy of holies, about us having our hearts washed clean from an evil conscience. And, and here's the verb, here's the, here's the action step for us is to draw near, to draw near. And I want us to be a people that know who we are as a holy priesthood, and our action step is to draw near. So this week, my challenge to you guys is every morning before you wake up this week, start tomorrow, Monday morning, here we go. Oh, you don't even have class. You can sleep in a little bit, all right? <laughs> okay, but first thing, just wake up, just spend your first few minutes with the Lord in his presence. If you don't know how to do that, again, ask a friend. Put the phone away just for a couple minutes and just begin to say, Lord, thank you for what you did for me on the cross. Thank you, Lord, for another day. Just begin to thank God, begin to talk to him. Pull out your Bible. Even if you haven't looked at it in a while, pull out your Bible and just read something. Probably starting in Leviticus would be a good spot for you. <laughs> I'm kidding. And that's it. We want to be a people that draw near. And I believe that if we do this and take this whole message seriously, then people around us will know. People know when you have been with the living God. It's hard to be with a God that's just vibrant, full of life, and, and for someone to not tell. And honestly, guys, our city and our campus, campuses, they are looking for people that have been with the living God, that have hope inside of them, that are walking in purpose and walking in power and, and know who they are, are secure in their identity. They're looking for, for people to, to live this stuff out. And if we do, I believe our, our city and our campus will be transformed if we just simply, tomorrow morning, draw near to the Lord. Sound good, guys? All right, hey, let's stand up. I'm going to have some of our life leaders come on down. Not all of you, but some of you. <laughs> all right, here, um, if you're new here, here's how we usually end our services, is we have a few of our leaders come on down and just make themselves available to pray for you. And I just want to emphasize the importance of doing something like this. When, you, when you're in this setting, we're worshiping God, and you just know the presence of God is here, and, you're, and the reading of the words happening, God, by the Holy Spirit, is doing things in your heart. And we, we don't want to miss what he's doing. And a way to make sure we're capturing what he's doing is by, by literally, physically responding to the things he's doing in us. And so it's a physical response to like, you know, say, excuse me, neighbor, and get out of your chair and then come down here to pray and receive prayer. But I want to highly encourage you, if God is doing anything, 
in you. You feel maybe like a, like, kind of like a pounding in your chest of like, uh, yes, I don't know what, but just ah, something. God's here. I don't know. Then come and just receive prayer. Literally anything you want. <laughs> if you're like, there's some sort of specific response to this message that like God's really convicting you of, then come, come get prayer. Tell somebody. And I'd love to pray for you. If you need a miracle, we actually believe God can do miracles. He's not a God that we can put in a box. <laughs> he can do literally anything. If you need a miracle financially, if you need a miracle physically, we just actually believe that God can do things. If you need healing in your body, if any of you are sick or, or anything, um, we believe that God can heal you. But specifically, uh, in preparing for this, I think God had maybe a few common topics for you guys here. And it's about what I was talking about, your, your identity as holy. Like you are holy. I think that there's some of you here, you've, you've been a Christian for a while, but if you're honest, you, you wouldn't describe yourself as, man, I, I just am holy. You might feel a little bit guilty or maybe a little bit unholy or dirty or, or not clean or shamed or slimed or whatever other words you want to use. Uh, you might feel that way a little bit in your heart. And I believe the Lord wants you to know that you can have freedom from that feeling, that you really are, if you believe in Jesus, you really are clean. You really are holy. He wants to wipe shame guilt from your life. I've done a lot of bad things in my life and, and it was a powerful moment when, the Lord, when I realized the Lord took all my shame away. And I think he wants to wrap you in his arms and just let you know you don't, have, you don't have to carry shame. It's the devil lying to you. You're, you're unholy. You're, you're unclean. You're dirty. That's the devil lying to you. And the Lord wants to wipe that away from you. And another thing, if you Maybe you haven't taken, like, seeking the Lord, ministering to Him as your top priority. Just believe, like, the Lord wants to put it as number one again. It's that simple. You just say, Lord, you help me put you as a top priority again, seeking you in my life. And I think He will do that. Sound good? So, if any of those things apply to you, you can go ahead and come on forward now. But here's one thing I want to do before uh, um, that happens is if there's anybody here in this room, sound of my voice. If you're honest with yourself, you realize, wait a minute, you've talked a lot about Jesus, a lot about his sacrifice, but I don't know if I've ever consciously decided that I am going to believe that Jesus is the Son of God that took my sins away. If you're in this room and you have never decided, I want my faith in Jesus and I want to follow him, or maybe you knew you, you did or prayed a prayer when you were younger, but if you're honest, you haven't really been seeking the Lord or following him, you've been kind of distant, then I believe that the Lord wants to give you a fresh start tonight let you know that he loves you. He died for you at a high price so that you can have new life in him. So if that is anybody here and you want to be as bold enough to just say, hey, tonight's my night. I want to start over. I want to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Then I want to ask you to boldly just raise your hand right now. Anybody want to do that? See one? Anybody else? Awesome. One more time. Just... Anybody else? It's going to require a little bit of boldness, but I believe the Lord's going to respond to your, your act of obedience and boldness. Anybody else just want to say, all right, now I want a fresh start in my relationship with God? Awesome. Cool. Got a lot of people that know they're holy and know Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's good news. Cool. Well, hey, if you raise your hand back there, we want to pray for you and encourage you and just let you know how amazing and exciting it is that you're going to start fresh in Jesus. So proud of you. Way to go. All right, hey, I'm going to pray, um, and as I pray, just start coming if you want prayer for anything, all right? Lord, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you so much, Lord, that you call us a holy priesthood. 
God, thank you for what you did on the cross. Thank you for your sacrifice. And Lord, I thank you for the invitation to draw near to you. Lord, we want to be a people that take advantage of this privilege and opportunity to come near and close to you. You are the whole point, Lord. The whole point is you drawing near and coming close and being with you. So thank you, Lord. Have your way and minister to us as we receive.